The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. But Francis said that society today is something of an orphan, and he lamented that many people today would rather have pets than children. The Pope also encouraged couples who cannot have kids to consider adoption. Pope Francis also asked institutions to facilitate the adoption process so that no child is left without a parent's love. It's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, Father David Sibonetti will be stopping by in a few minutes. We'll tap into his expertise on that and a whole lot more. But if you're just joining me, one of the most alarming news stories I have heard in a long time erupted yesterday. I've been diving into it, and I've invited J.V. Venable to join us. He'll be with me in just a few moments. He is uh, the Senior Research Fellow for Defense Policy at the Heritage Foundation, served our country for a quarter of a century. He's a veteran of the U.S. Air Force sort of three combat operations and uh, retired as a command pilot. Uh, the reason I invited him to stop by, and uh, again, I, you know, I, I don't know how much time we have with this or what we don't. We've learned from reliable sources that Russia is developing capabilities in space that could potentially threaten satellites. It could blind the U.S. Uh, and this is, these aren't just any satellites. Those are the satellites that are critical to U.S. military communications and reconnaissance. And the implications of it are profound. It could knock out our eyes and our ears, uh, leaving the U.S. military and our country vulnerable. The House Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Turner, he sounded the alarm on this. He says it's a serious national security threat. And this is a guy who doesn't throw bombs, right? This is not a bomb thrower by any means. So when he said this, I thought, whoa. He's really, but this is supposed to be very serious. He's not whispering warnings in some classified briefing. No, he's calling on the president. He wants the Biden administration to declassify the information relating to this threat. And you're probably saying, why would we declassify it? Well, because the public and Congress, the administration, our allies, he says, need to openly discuss and respond to what he really sees as a looming danger. And uh, it was eventually revealed that you know, Russia has the capability of knocking out our satellites uh, through nuclear weapons. And uh, there was a source that uh, I believe they told Fox News that while the threat is grave, it's not immediate. So it isn't like it's going to happen today. So uh, there was an article in the arms control today, uh, and it, it I think it ran from last year or 2022. I think it was dated. They did a whole piece a little while ago on Russia's anti-satellite weapons and they said it's an asymmetric response to the U.S., to our, our aerospace superiority. And so we've known about this for at least two or three years. Why now is this urgent alarm being sounded? I'm joined, as I said, by uh, John Venable, Senior Research Fellow for the Defense Policy for uh, Defense Policy at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, great to have you with me today. Thank you so much for your time. Good afternoon. Drew, great to be with you and the great people of Green Bay. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Um, why would Chairman Turner put out such a cryptic message? I mean, there seems to be an urgency here. He seemed to be pointing to almost to an immediate danger. But as I pointed out from what I've been reading, we, we've known about this potential threat. Uh, how do you read what's going on right now? Is there an immediate danger or is he trying to get funding for Ukraine or, or something else? Yeah, I don't see it as an aside or as a slight or a, a, a shifting of hands here. I think that the the, the notification that he gave was a, a genuine concern of what is happening or what is on the horizon of happening in the near term. And that's 
Russia being able to put into orbit a, a nuclear-powered or a nuclear-weaponized vehicle that stays in orbit and is able to influence, if not destroy, our apparatus in space. Now, China has, I think, lasers, right? They could take down satellites or at least blind them. Uh, Russia could send off a nuclear weapon. I'm sure we must have something in space, too, that would do the same thing to to our enemies. Are, are there treaties, and what's to prohibit our enemies from, from blinding us? Well, Drew, there's uh, three principal actors in this, and you named all three of them, China, the United States, and Russia. The only um, entity there that's going to abide by treaties is the United States. And uh, one of the great things that President Trump did was actually turn uh, uh, the United States around, turn it away from a strictly defensive posture, turn it away from um, space as a, a, a free area of commerce into one where we have to think about the threats, countering the threats, and being able to take out those threats if they do arise. And he established the Space Force, um, which uh, is a uh, combatant command, and he uh, established the, the, the new um, uh, uh, service inside of the Department of the Air Force um, that is basically training people in a professional manner to be able to rise up to the offensive and the defensive capabilities required to do that. So the three the three actors that you named, yeah. there's one that's that's playing the right role, and right now we're behind. We're behind both Russia and China in wow. ASAT capabilities, anti-satellite uh, mm. capabilities. And we've got to be able to come up to speed in a very rapid fashion. So what measures can we take then um, to protect our own satellites from these potential threats? Are we, are we pretty much vulnerable if China moves on Taiwan or somehow Russia moves on Poland or the you know, U.S. gets involved in something else and we see a global conflict? I mean, that's the first thing that goes down, as you probably know. They would love to blind us that way. Um, I don't know whether we have alternate means of communication and, and execution or, you know, what we have in place right now to protect these satellites, some sort of insulation from those types of threats. So a great series of thoughts that you have right there. So the, there's two sides of this. It's the defensive side. How do we maintain our ability to communicate and actually uh, give um, a position, navigation, and timing uh, things to our ships at sea, our aircraft? How do we continue to, to uh, provide services to banks, for example? We've got to be able to do that, and, and that defensive side is – is a, a very critical step that the space entity, Space Force, has taken, yeah. and and that's to um, proliferate our constellations in orbit. We would rely on 32 GPS satellites mm. um, uh, up to this point. Well, right now we're starting to field many more satellites in low Earth orbit to make it a targeting challenge for both China and Russia. That's one side. Yeah, the other side is actually to be able to take the offense to the enemy. And you're starting to see incremental sides of that. Space is a very overly classified area. Um, this uh, revelation that came out has been known for a while and why it's just now creeping out and why Congress is forcing this uh, to come out is so that we start getting earnest and honest communications out honest feedback to the American people so that we can start moving, uh, funding things in the right direction and showing weakness where we need to so that we can we can repair those areas. Yeah, and I don't want to be political here, but I, I do want an honest assessment of how you view the philosophy of the Trump administration who, you know, established Space Force and a whole litany of other things you've already articulated. 
versus the current administration, the Biden administration, when it comes to national security and, and threats like this? Is there a different philosophy, ideology, approach to this between these administrations? Sense of urgency? It's fundamentally different in, in every aspect that you can name. But one is, is President Trump understood what all great leaders understand on the global stage, and that's power, how to use power. Z and China knows it, Putin and, and, uh, and Russia knows it, yeah. and, and when they see uh, weakness, they move on weakness. Um, give you an example in the Obama administration um, when he set the line, uh, that red line in Syria for chemical weapons. Yeah. As soon as he did not execute on the red line, Russia started to move. And six months later, as yeah. soon as the, the ground froze in Ukraine, they went and started mm-hmm. into the Crimean Peninsula and on. That same philosophy is in the Biden administration. And it's one of ineptitude. They do not understand the fundamental tenets of power. Well, I mean, the next election really is critical. Uh, We've seen what's happened in the past four years in terms of, you know, energy and international affairs and a whole litany of other things. It'll be very interesting to see if Americans are aware of the gravity of what looms in the not-too-distant future on so many different fronts. Uh, so I hope people will do their due diligence and, uh, and evaluate all these things as you make your decision. Uh, I know we only have you for a few more moments. I'm very curious, though, about what would happen. Let's say Russia moves or China moves. There's been a warning that the electromagnetic pulse weapon, you know, that could it could do serious damage, not just in space, but if somebody was to send it over. There was a former um, guest I used to have on the program. His name was Dr. Peter Pry, testified before the Congress many times, was a member of the EMP Commission. And he was concerned about North Korea, which has a satellite in orbit over us. And it's it's pretty low in orbit. If it had an EMP on it, it could just cripple the U.S. Um, would you put it past Russia? Would you put it past China or an enemy to use an EMP, not just to take out satellites, but perhaps to take out the U.S. power grid and cripple the U.S. Um, and, well, really bring it to its knees if that ever happened? Yeah, Drew, I wouldn't put it past either because we are the most dependent nation in the world on satellites. Um, people have the argument, well, China is growing in their satellites and Russia is growing on their dependency, but no one yeah. is so dependent on banking, navigation, our fighter aircraft, our ships at sea all rely on GPS. And if that goes down, the manual map method is something that they will have to pick up on the fly. So yeah. so am I afraid of that? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if the good doctor mentioned this, Drew, but we did a test back in 1962 called Starfish Prime. We detonated a nuclear weapon of 1.4 uh, megatons wow. at 250 miles, which is right below low Earth orbit. Over the next six months, that detonation ended up killing six of what was probably a total of 27 satellites uh, in orbit at that time. The lingering effects of an EMP that that generated actually shut down some 3,300 traffic lights in Hawaii that was 900 miles away. That's a 1.4 megaton. And right now, Russia's biggest nuclear weapon 
is 18 megatons. The size of the detonation makes a difference, and that propagation, both radiation going out to our satellites and then the EMP pulse coming back down the land would be devastating. Boy, we would live as if, though, we were in ancient times. That's for sure. If something like that was to to take place. But, you know, on on the other side of that coin, if something like that went off, it would also blind China. It would blind Russia, too. Would it? They'd be taking out their own satellites, right? They would not be nearly as blind as we are because they have agents here. They have spies here. They have people that are positioned to where they can give real-time human intelligence back home. We do not have that capability. Well, I am grateful for your insight. I wish we had more time. I'd love to talk to you again and hope you come back. Uh, This is a... This is something that gave me pause. I saw this yesterday, and I saw the urgency of Chairman Turner, and I thought, wow, we've got to talk about this. And I, I'm a man of faith. I, I call people, please, to pray. Pray for peace. Pray for conversion. Let's pray for, for no war in this country. But thank you for your service to our country and the Air Force as well, and I look forward to talking to you again. Grateful for your time as well, Drew. Thank, thank you. you. That's J.V. Venable. He's Senior Research Fellow for Defense Policy at the Heritage Foundation. Served our country faithfully and Retired as a, a command pilot, uh, served three combat operations, so we're grateful for him and really for his insights. I'm not here to, to frighten anyone, but I do think, you know, we have to be aware of who we put into office and the rising dangers and threats that face us. When we come back, Father David Simonetti will be in. Uh, Lent's a good time for conversion, and there is hope, right? I think I think we're living in a very critical time. These events have not happened yet, not that they ever will. They can all be mitigated. We'll talk about that and more when I return. Stay with me. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Thanks to network sponsor PushPay. PushPay offers parishes a platform for tracking donations and sacraments, overseeing schedules, mobile apps to help manage your administrative load, and much more. Info at relevantradio.com slash pushpay. That's relevantradio.com slash pushpay. Substance without the static. You're listening to The Drew Mariani Show. Yeah, you know, I don't want to frighten anybody. I'm, you know, I don't want you to be filled with anxiety or fear. You know, it's easy to do that. You turn on your evening news and you see some of these reports or you hear commanders like that. It's easy to feel lost. It's easy to feel overshadowed. It's easy to let despair creep in. Uh, but we are right now entering into the season of Lent. And uh, I'll just leave you with this. Good always conquers evil. In trying times, I think it's crucial that you remember that God's plan is infinitely wiser than our own, that he sees the big picture that we don't. I was speaking to Father David Simonetti today. He came into the Relevant Radio Network and he celebrated Mass, and then he went ahead and he he went ahead and uh, made lunch for everybody. And we'll maybe talk to him about that. But, you know, he said something I think very interesting because I told him, you're going to be on right after I I talk about Russia and uh, the news breaking about them wanting to take out U.S. satellites or the potential to do that. And he says, you know, if God allows hardship, if he allows war, if he allows other forms of chastisement, sometimes um, it's not so much as a punishment as it is a correction, a call to return to him. And that's his theme as old as humanity itself. And Lent is about what? About prayer, penance, and conversion. So I think this is a great time of season. It's a great season for us to enter in, not to allow fear of 
our health, our finances, or international affairs, or national affairs, to rob us of our joy, but to draw closer to God, to grow deeper in prayer. And if we do that, I guarantee you, not only will it change your life, but you will change the world. I'm delighted to have in studio with me a uh, wonderful Italian chef, maker of, uh, what's the name of your sauce? Padre? Uh, Comunio. Uh, and I see your big image. I got Padre Simonetti in here with us, a wonderful Catholic priest. Father, what's the name of your new church? I want to say it's St. Florian uh, on the south side of Chicago, but uh, I know you renamed it recently. Yes, it's not, it was St. Florian for 115 years, but now wow. it's Christ Our Light. I like that. That's a no, I like I like. Is that it the too. only church in the States called Christ Our Light? You Probably. Know, our, what you call... Uh, feast day is the Easter vigil. Oh, wow. Whenever the Easter vigil is. Because what do we, we say? Um, the light of Christ yeah. three times. So that's our, uh, that's our. Did you come up with the name? Who came up with it? No, actually it was, it was a suggestion from a parishioner of one of our groups. Yeah. That uh, one of our church groups, their church was uh, closing and they were going to join us. And it was a suggestion that came through the mail and I took it to everybody and it just, it was it just right. Resonated. That's because cool. our, our, of all times, we need the light, you know, especially on the south side of Chicago. Well, you're well, the first pastor of Christ the Light. Yeah. I like that. It's a beautiful church. I've been to your, your rectory there and grateful for what you do uh, yeah. there. It's, and I'm grateful for lunch today, too. Father Celebrated Mass here at the network. We have a chapel. It's known as the Chapel of the Proclamation. Absolutely stunning. I, I would argue... One of the most beautiful images of Our Lady Guadalupe resides in our chapel. It's a, it's a mosaic handmade by Italian uh, artists, uh, our artisans, if you will. And there's beautiful stained glass and Father celebrated Mass. And then you did something else. You made pizza for everybody. Yeah. Homemade, right? You made the dough. Yeah, and... I did. A couple of days ago, I started it. Uh, I was up three times last night. Every couple hours, you have to get up. It's like having a baby. Really? Every couple hours, I had to get up to turn it. Put its diapers on, dip, flip, but everything. I woke up three times. I thought it was Saturday. I woke up three times. The dough was so light and airy. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And you made homemade sauce too? Homemade sauce. Yeah, it was all fresh. This I said, this is no Chuck E. Cheese business here. I was going to give you the Catholic version. You, you love cooking. You love, I guess, I don't know, serving people? Or yeah, that's Cooking it. for people? What I wouldn't it? do it for myself. It would, just for myself, it would just be... Mm. Work. I Yeah, I just wouldn't enjoy it because, and I ate so fast anyhow, so it'd be like five minutes, okay, now what? But when it's for others, it's it's just great. That's funny. You know, I have a couple of good bottles of wine that some, some people have given me, right? But I don't want to drink them myself. Are they good? Will I enjoy them myself? Sure. There's something about sharing something nice with someone else. Yeah. I get more joy out of sharing that really good bottle of wine with somebody yeah. than I do we go from a, myself. We go from an I to a we. You know, an I mentality to a we mentality when we're when we're sharing it with loved ones. Good, you know, if they're not too good of friends, you bring out the I don't know, Moe and David or something. <laughs> but if you got a really nice two buck chalk for the yeah, don't two like, buck, right? yeah, wild <laughs> wildwood grape or, or something sugar. <laughs> but, but for good, then you bring out the, the good stuff. And, that's yeah. hilarious. That's great. Well, I'm glad to have you here. You're always a hopeful guy. I appreciate the the offer of. Uh, well, the wisdom that you offered in these times, a lot of people, you know, they were looking at credit card debt. It's over a trillion dollars in, in this country. You, you take a look at 
economy, job numbers. You, you take a look at uh, healthcare. I did a segment on that today. International affairs, politics. I mean, it's really people can get really stressed out, especially if they keep their TV on too long. I, I always like to give a look at life through the eyes of our faith. Um, you said something pretty good. God may allow a chastisement. My last guest on, we talked about if for some reason we went to war and our satellites went out. I said we'd live as though we are in ancient times. And Our Lady once said that. She says there'll come a time where the human race, you know, we need to pray and amend our lives. But if we fail to do that, we may live as as, as people will believe as if uh, we were in ancient times. I think if we were stripped from our technological capabilities and all that we depend on, where do you turn? You turn to God, right? Yeah. Um, our Lady of said at Fatima, and this is church approved. Yeah. God, now that's the key word. God permits war as punishment for sin. Yep. You know. So, because Pope John Paul wrote, there's not only a communion of saints, there's a communion of sin. And sin is real. Somebody procures an abortion, it throws, it's part of creation. And to do something that heinous literally throws disorder and chaos into the Lord's creation. So, it, it's... Uh, it's real. It's real. And the world, by the more we de-Christianize in the West, yeah. the more we dehumanize. Yeah. So I'll give you a hypothetical. Maybe you can answer this on the other side of this break, and we can talk much more about it too. Uh, let's just, I'm going to play out a scenario. Let's say that there is an EMP, a natural calamity, a war, whatever. Somebody hacks the power grid. And the U.S. is brought to its knees for couple weeks you know food runs out now there's chaos people are sick hospitals are overrun there's no electricity people are knocking on door to door and they come to your door and they say do you have any food right and you had planned you went and you got a month's worth of food you've got some canned goods and water and pasta or whatever you have right you got enough to survive for maybe a month maybe two months maybe three months you don't know how long this calamity is going to be and people are dying are you like the wise virgin that has oil in her lamp for when Christ comes? And you say, you know what? I'm sorry you should have planned, but you need to take care of yourself, your family, your loved ones, your circle. Or do you share everything you have? And within a day, as word gets out, you are like everyone else with, with no food. What would you do in a situation like that? Yeah. So hold that thought. We'll share it on the other side. I want to hear from you too. What would you do? Uh, our number is 888 9149. I don't have to take a break, Maggie's saying. Thank you, Maggie. I forgot all about that. We took one early. 888 What would you do in a situation like that? Would you share what you had, not knowing how long and how terrible society was going to collapse? Or would you open your doors to everyone? Now, you're a priest. Maybe you're in a different situation. Let's say a father or a mother or somebody that has, has kids. Or maybe you're not. Maybe we're all on the same plane. What would you do? Well, again, it's a, it's a hypothetical, and I'd have to pray to make a decision that I could live at peace with, you know, again, according to my state in life, yeah. I do not have a wife or not have kids. I may be called to a tremendous sacrificial cross for the good of others. Um, you'd kind of have to, you know, wait and see. Um, I certainly would knock somebody with a family um, saying, you know, this is, 
Because when people are hungry, they're going to knock on every door. Yeah. If it's not gangs getting together and kicking your door down to see what you have, it'll be people saying, please, 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 I'm so hungry, I need some food. Yeah. Well, I, but you know, I think even if it was, you know, you had enough for a week or two weeks or three weeks, eventually after a couple weeks, everybody's going to be in that spot. You know, but you're, you're, you know, my philosophy is like you're just biding time to hope yeah. that the power grid gets back on or allies come to the rescue or something happens. Yeah. Um, that's a tough situation. Yeah. I, but I, I mean, ultimately, though, ultimately, yeah. like they were talking about Russia and everything, all these yeah. things. And again, really everything is out of our personal individual control. And that's why I say, well, I'm glad that God's the one in ultimate control of my own personal history yeah. and the history of the the whole, which includes all of its parts. Yeah. So, and I'll open this to anyone who's listening. If you want to join us and share what you would do, the number's 888 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. Um, here's the thing where I struggle. Um, I would want to share with what I had, but I know that it would be gone instantly. Do, do I reserve maybe a week, just a couple of days, share everything? If I have a three-week, a four-week supply, give away three and keep one, I'd have to pray, as you said, about that. But God is in control, and and this is the essence of, of how I, I view this. And it would be hard to be a test in faith. Um, I was down in El Paso, Texas when I was a young man, and I was with a priest named Father Rick Thomas, and he had this charism for where... Um, he would take food to the homeless over in Juarez, Mexico, I think it was. And uh, I saw kids eating trash out of trash dumps, right? I saw abject poverty. And he said to us, and I think I was in high school at the time or young college kid. He says, you know, you, we worked in his, field, in his farm, in his field for a couple of days, and then we gathered all this food. He says, you might see food multiply. It's something that often happens. And I'm thinking, what? Food multiply, right? And I often share the story. I remember um, a bunch of us standing up. I think I had a bag of cabbage. A guy next to me had a bag of potatoes. A guy next to him had, had you know, onions. Somebody else had whatever else. And people, for as far as the eye could see, kept coming. And they kept taking this food. And the women were filling up their dress or their bags. And I figured, oh, this stuff's going to run out soon, right? There's only so many of these. After hours, there were still cabbage at my feet. I mean, food multiplied. Sister Bridget McKenna, who I know you're aware of, mm-hmm. she's seen the phenomenon with Father Rick Thomas. Uh, Father Kolchinsky, who just died, he was a great devotee or proponent of um, St. Philomena. He talked about how meatballs and food that he had when he had to come to feed people multiplied. So I've seen it, and I know that God can certainly multiply, and that's, I think, really where charity and love for another. If you're meant to suffer, like you said, okay, then we'll do that. But if not, maybe God's going to take care of yeah. us. Now, know? Pope John Paul, if you read George Weigel's biography of John Paul yeah. too, um, and the priests of his time, they were hungry for like five years. The, the, um, one of them, yeah. he's passed on, but there's a film in, um, I think it was a film about uh, St. Faustina, John Paul, and X-Men Colby. Yeah, done by John Claude. Ocean of Mercy. Yeah, Ocean of Mercy. It says, we were, for five years, we were star- we hungry. I mean, they got by and they, it, it ended eventually. He said, we were hungry. This kid didn't have shoes. We went and got him shoes. This yeah. one didn't have this. That. And ultimately, again, yeah. nowhere does it say it'll be easy. Right. But agree. you have to ultimately, that's why we pray the Our Father, um, so I can be free from anxiety and worry. And as a matter of fact, uh, Colleen Willard, um, who received that ear of um, instantaneous healing in Medjugorje, 
she went and saw after Katrina. She went down there to, to do a healing service, mm-hmm. and she saw the absolute destruction. And the Lord, she said this. I heard her say it last week. The Lord said to her, daughter, these people have lost everything. But if they have me, then they'll have everything they need. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. My guest today, Father David Simonetti. If you want to join us, feel free to dial in. 888-914-9149. Let's go to Rutherford, New Jersey first. It's near Newark, New Jersey. Mike is online with us. Father, he's got a comment for you. Hi, Mike. Hi, uh, I just wanted to make a comment. I I would, I would most, I think it would be very hard, but I would like to share the food that I had with anyone. And the reason being is I think that if we were to have, we were to have imminent death, mm-hmm. I think I wouldn't want to be the only one around standing and looking at everyone else. It would be terrible. I think if we died, I think we all died together. Right. I, I don't know. That's my thought. Well, I love it. Mike, do you have anything in reserve in case power grid goes um, down? I think, yeah, I think the only, yeah, I know. Yeah, I think they, I, I would just think we, if we die, we all die. But as yeah. far as the, uh, the proverb with the, um, the, the, uh, oil and the lantern, yeah. I think, I don't know if maybe the father could explain, maybe that applies to some other situation. I'm not sure if that's exactly apples to apples. Sure. All right. Good point. Thanks, Michael. Yeah. The, the, um, Oh, I recently gave a at length homily about this, but the oil in the lamps and those who didn't, when he said, you know, they're trimming their wicks. And mm-hmm. I mean, that was again, ultimately it was ultimately about going into the wedding feast, ultimately salvation yeah. and being prepared. And that's what Lent's about being prepared. Cause you don't know when the Lord will show up for you personally. Nobody knows. And even, uh, when he'll return a second in glory, but he's coming for me and for you personally soon, you know? Um, and so you have to be prepared for that. Now, again, yeah. And you don't know the day or the hour, do you? No, people no. fear the future. They plan, they store up their riches where moth can eat them, you know, and Russell devoured. Uh, you're not going to take it with you. Um, Lent really is a time for conversion. I know several people this year who were young and died. I mean, one man woke up and, uh, or didn't wake up. He went to bed and never woke up again. Other people, terrible car accidents. I mean, you don't know. Cancer can take you yeah. very quickly. It seemed like uh, this past year or two, and I don't know, I'm not a not a doctor or anything like that, but it seems like an awful lot of people have been uh, dying of uh, like their heart problems that who are young and all could have been from those COVID shots. Uh, they don't know. Or they certainly wouldn't tell you. So it could be. It was experimental, you know. Um, we don't know. We don't know. So you don't know when the Lord will come for you personally. That's so true. Um, so you have to be ready. It's a great time. We can address the whole issue of Lent here because it's a time for us to embrace this call to conversion, to turn away, I think, from the noise, the distractions of the world, to seek refuge in the silence of, of prayer. Uh, it's a time to fast, I think, not just from food, but from all those things that distance us from God, right? I, it, almsgiving is another aspect of this. I was really impressed we had our pledge drive, I guess it was last week, right, Maggie? And a giant thank you to everyone who helped support Relevant Radio. I was talking to one of my colleagues here today, and we were talking about new listeners who came on, but overwhelmingly, we've had so many people 
who have given in the past give again. And I am so grateful for that charity and that generosity. That is truly almsgiving. Father, those are the three pillars, of course, of of Mm -hmm. Lent so often. How can we make this Lent a little bit different and a little richer? Well, the first thing is decide for God. Yeah. Uh, The word decide, um, the word scissors, decisere in Latin means to cut where we get the word scissors, means to decide and um, decide for God and be determined to not let Satan do with you what he wants to do and tear you apart. So say, Lord, I'm going to, with an act of my will, decide for you in a renewed relationship with you. And the recommendations from the Lord are prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. You empty, as Cardinal George said, you empty your heart and your mind of all this worldly noise to make time for silence and God in prayer. You empty out your stomach to feel close to those who don't have any and the instant need for instant gratification. And then you empty out your wallet. Um, again, instant gratification to get what you want, do what you want, and to think of somebody else outside yourself. And when you do that, because if all three are full, there's no room for God. But when you empty those three, then you literally give the Lord a spot to enter in in this Holy Spirit, get in and start to to change you from the inside out. Well, my guest, Father David Simonetti, will take a few more of your calls. If you want to get in, the number is 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. 9149. I need to take a short pause, though, when we come back. Uh, we'll continue our conversation. Feel free to pull up a chair and join us. Love to have you here. Don't go away. The Drew Mariani Show. Hi, Drew. Thank you. Thank you for your show. This is the Drew Mariani Show. Marvelous show on the radio right now. On Relevant Radio. Hey, today we'd like to thank Tammy, who was listening in Florida for donating her 2016 BMW Z4. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles, trucks, boats, and RVs by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. That's relevantradio.com slash car. When you have a pet, we often give our hearts to our pets. And there's something good about that. There's something good about, I guess, loving another being, whether that's a human being or another living being. There's something good about giving your heart to someone or something in the right way and practice and train their heart in love by loving their loving their pet. And so that makes sense. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, it's an interesting rejoin, Father. I know that uh, you got your doctorate, and uh, of course, uh, you dealt with, I, I never remember the title of the doctorate, but it was on Pets End. It was called, it is called. It is called. <laughs> it is called. It died, it was. Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> is called. It is no more. Pet and Prey. Power, the transforming power. Oh, oh I'm all chipped up now. <laughs> you wrote it. I wrote it, Come yeah. On, hello. Yes, yes. Too much pizza. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. No, it was the chickpeas. So, let and pray the transforming power of grace and communion to God's beloved creatures. There you yeah, go. there we go. There we go. So, I saw um, a couple articles recently. Um, I think it was the Holy Father who said this, or somebody said, hey, pets aren't children. And people call them fur babies, and they treat them like, like yeah. children today. There's kind of a 
disconnect. There was a Pew Research survey and said that a majority of Americans, um, 200 million pet owners, describe their animals as family. I don't necessarily have a problem with that, but I kind of do. I mean, oh, I they're do. not humans, but no. as you know, your, your, your animal, you know, you can show it love and affection. It keeps you a company. I mean, a lot of people love their, their pets. That's a tough thing. Yeah, no, that's true. But they can't love you back like no. that. They're not rational no. creatures. And so... They're never to take the place of human intimacy and, and love. people do that. I see a lot of couples yeah. say, well, we, we're, we have a pet. We don't need children. Well, okay. The pet economy totaled $136 billion. Yeah. $136 billion. It's it's wild. Yeah. You know, Halloween, people dress their, their, their animals up. You know, Christmas, they get presents. It's They give them home-cooked foods. They put them in strollers. They sleep on foam mattresses. Some have acupuncture surgeries and Massage, I mean, it is it is pretty wild. So, yeah. But if you have children, think of how sweeter your heaven will be. Yes, oh, for sure. That's that's for sure. My guest today, Father David Simonetti. I'll take a few calls. We have about 10 minutes. If you want to join us, feel free to dial in. 888-914-9149. Denise is in Chicago. Hi, Denise. Hi, Drew. Hi. I, I wondered, um, when you were discussing earlier about the deaths of all these young people since the vaccines. And I just attended a funeral for a man 61 years old and 2000 people came to that funeral in Chicago for a man who wasn't a celebrity or famous. He just was a good Catholic man. And I am concerned because I hear this from actuaries who work for insurance companies that are saying all these deaths of young people are changing the tables. Oh, wow. Because insurance companies have to pay out huge insurance policies on people they didn't expect to die at 60 or 40 or 50. These payments probably shouldn't go out until 60. I mean, in the 70s or 80s. But it, it's perplexing to me how we forced all these things on people and ignore them to keep their jobs and mandated it. And maybe for some, we mandated a death sentence. Yeah. Well, I refused. So I, um, in writing, I said, I, I won't do it. Whatever that means, I won't do it. So. Yeah, we, we've talked a lot about COVID and vaxes on, on the show. Um, here we know there's was an increased rate of myocarditis amongst um, young men Um they were vaccinating a lot of children as well. There were a lot of issues. Um, Just too many lies around it. Too many lies coming from people who had vested interest in it. And I, I, I'm not going to buy into it. And a lot of people have been vaccinated. They do it out of love because they didn't want their loved ones to, you know, um, get, you know, they were concerned about their compromised immunity. Some people wanted yeah. to travel. Some people had to do it for work. I know I've got friends who are physicians and surgeons and, those guys are like, well, we had to do it, you know. So yeah. everybody for different reasons. Yeah, but, I guess uh, so. And you can refuse for a different reason. Yeah, which I did. Yeah, that's you know. good. So. Yeah, you know, Father Ubald, you knew him, right? Yeah. Uh, last time I ever saw him was at the shrine of our of, of uh, good help. Yeah, Lady Champion. Now I guess I call it. And um, I just remember him. I don't know whether he was vaccinated or not, but I remember being up there at the height of COVID. He celebrated mass, and in the end, he wasn't really wearing a mask. Not that that does anything anyway for it. Um, people swarmed that guy. I mean, they were all over him. He was in the heart of a crowd, 
And like a week later, I found that he had COVID and then he battled it for, for weeks and ultimately succumbed to it. You know, mm -hmm. so it took a lot of lives. Father served from Michelanco, mm -hmm. got it. The Marians had, I mean, a Father lot. Agnello, Salaconi, another great, great healing priest. Another great healing priest, yeah. So, I mean, God often uses these things, as you point out, to, to bring people home. Too. The two children at Fatima were their kids. They died from the Spanish flu, and that's Our Lady true. told them they would. Yeah, that's you know, wild. So the Lord can use even things that man brought on himself uh, to a lot of chastisements men bring on themselves. And the Lord permits it, and he uses it. He really does. Um, Father, what advice would you give to somebody today um, considering maybe, I don't know, a life of service in the church like you? I don't know where we are vocation-wise today in the church. I'm hoping numbers are going to be on the rise. Yeah. Well, in Africa, um, they're, they're full. In many places, they're full. It's in the, in the Western world where they're really, really low because— Again, the, Our Lady said, uh, and again, you're no, under, no obligation to believe this, but a few months ago in Medjugorje, the monthly message was, there's an immense selfishness in the world today, an immense selfishness. Yeah. And she said, the winds of evil, think of that, the winds of evil are blowing strong, you know, and at that, that um, in that, again, selfishness in many ways is, I don't want to serve, I don't want to think of anything but, me, what I want right now, no matter, you know, dog eats dog, whatever. But that road certainly will not lead to the pearly gates, you know. Um, and so uh, in a very special way, the harder times get, it'll be harder to, it'll be easy. Let me turn it from the other direction. It'll be easy for hearts to grow cold. Mm -hmm. Which I think I think is at the heart of your question earlier about people uh, being charitable or to other people in need, and I think we see that now in our political leaders who are really, really doing a good job to divide up our own country yeah. uh, through race, and it's which is a Marxist move to get people who are getting along to now not, and hearts can grow cold. It's another trick of the devil. It's really true. My guest, Father David Simonetti. Let me grab a call or two for you. I know time will run out very quickly here. 888-914-9149. Aileen is listening in Los Angeles. Hi, Aileen. Hey, Aileen, are you with us? Make sure Hi, can you hear me okay? I can, yes. Thanks for calling. You're on with Father Simonetti. Go right ahead. Hi, Father. Hi, uh, Hello, Aileen. Hi. Hi. Calling in regards to the um, comment about the animals. Uh, we have a sister who had multiple miscarriages and wanted so badly to have a child. Then she was five months pregnant. They had to terminate a healthy pregnancy because she was going to die. And it was um, it was one of those things where um, she has these animals that are like people. Like she treats them. Like you see these people that treat their animals like children. Mm -hmm. But there was a point where she felt worthless. She felt like she had nothing to live for. She was suicidal. Her marriage could have been lost. And if it wasn't for these diverting these animals into, um, you know, into their lives, uh, there was no way she, I mean, we're just lucky to have them. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's and a chapter in my book. There, I have a chapter in yeah. my book, how they could teach us to love again. However, you know, however, uh, again, they can never replace, um, 
human and human intimacy and so they can get us oh, yeah, yeah. to a place of healing that then should extend out to human beings. Yes, and they definitely do that, Father. Yeah, definitely. Amen to that. Hey, yeah, thank so you. Just want you. No, thank gl- you so much. Yeah, I'm glad you called thank in and shared that. I think it's a wonderful point. I'm grateful to have you here. Let me move along. I have a few moments. Julie is in Chicago. Father, she's got a comment for you, too. Nobody Julie? called in and said, hey, what are you putting in your sauce? Should I put <laughs> olive oil or not? Let's hear what Julie has to say, then we'll All talk right. about your recipe. All right. Julie, good afternoon. You're on the air with Father Simonetti. Hi, I'm just getting out of work, and I heard a little bit about the COVID vaccine. I was concerned um, that you were discouraging people from getting it. No, no, to each their own. Okay, well, I mean, I worked during the pandemic, and I've seen a lot of people die from terrible, and the vaccine is a lifesaver. It saved over, you know, millions of people. You know, I just want to go with that science. Yeah, well, there's science that would disagree with that, and um, but again, I'm I'm not a medical doctor or anything. But again, there's it seemed like that conversation was really, really if somebody disagreed was shut down pretty quick. So we it's a very confusing time. Let's just say that. So I don't wrap anyone for uh, saying no, no, and then you know again depending on your own situation, but. I think in years to come, they're going to, the whole truth will come out. Well, Julie, thank you for working at such a critical time. It took a lot of bravery to go into a, you know, a situation like COVID when people were uncertain about how many lives yeah. were going to be I went taken. and visited. Yeah, you did too. You I did. Too. I was one of the six priests in the diocese who actually went to people who were actively in the last throes of COVID dying and went in and anointed them and stayed with them. When it comes to vaccines, Julie knows this, vaccination's a key component to achieving, you know, herd immunity. I'm not opposed to vaccines at all. I don't think you are. But it it wasn't even, technically, it wasn't a vaccine. vaccine. It was a, uh, so they have to watch the word. I would recommend, Julie, you go to my archives and, and type in COVID. There's been a lot of conversation about it. People have safety concerns uh, about um, the potential long term side effects that are yet to be known. Um, personal freedom was a big thing during COVID. A lot of people were, were the mandates um, had people very concerned. Um, and, but you know what? I There are people, as I said, who, ha- who got it because they had to work, like Julie, like physicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people who got it because they had loved ones with compromised immunity. And not everybody did, and, and others did. I think you really had to do your due diligence on it. Um, Boy, it came out fast, and you know there was basically a human study group. That was my concern about it. Well, was sure. a little bit of, and they pause. still don't know. You know, we we lifted all those restrictions, and you know, yeah. some say it causes aggressive tumors. I, you know, we'll see. I'll have to revisit it again with you, Julie. We'll go ahead and uh, uh, you know dive into that. You're more than welcome to join the conversation. Love to to hear from you. But we we'd open a whole can of worms if we went down. Oh this yeah, COVID no, that's right. right now. All right, uh, let's go to Patrick in Austin. Hi, Patrick. Good afternoon. Hi. Yeah, I just wanted to say that uh, most of my life, uh, I was, every time I would have a checkup, low blood pressure. I'm a very low blood pressure. I inherited it from my mother. But after I got the COVID vaccine, it was a strikingly marked uh, high. As a matter of fact, the doctor was about ready to put me in the hospital. I said, that, that can't be. I, I've always had low blood pressure. How could it have gone uh, such a swing? Any Any comment on that? Oh, no, no, I'm not a, a doctor. I, I wouldn't say yeah, that because there's so many other factors. Here's what they taught us in the seminary. 
Figure out if it's mortal or venial and ask how many times. <laughs> that's, <so laughs> that's what they told us. So <laughs> Patrick, like I said, there's some great guests who've been on this this program in the uh, past. Dr. Hirsch, Bhattacharya, Tabali, so many of these epidemiologists who, who studied this. We'll do another hit on COVID, I'm sure. A good, on, on a good guest, you may have had him, but is the, the great Catholic bioethicist, uh, Father um, Tap Olczyk. Tap Olczyk. and he is the one who, from with the in league with the Catholic Medical Association, really rallied against because of all our concerns against the forced, even in Catholic institutions, the forced uh, injections. Yeah, you know, interesting. All right, well, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, a whole different. Yeah. It really is, and I'm grateful. I, I, you know, people do your due diligence, do your research. Um, but I do think the COVID thing was. And how quickly they shut churches and all. I do believe it was the devil's dress rehearsal. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of moral considerations. Mm -hmm. There was a lot, as I pointed out, um, concerns when it comes to personal freedoms mm -hmm. that were taken away from people. Um, and there was a lot of deception, too, in the way things there were, is a lot of deception, were presented. Sure. So uh, that, that's always a pause. So final question here, Father, because I know we're just right about out of time. What do you put in your sauce? Oh, you know what? I got the recipe. In, I got the recipe. I got the recipe. Holy water. I got the recipe in confession, so I no. can't tell it. <laughs> holy water. Not a bad idea. My wife will use blessed salt sometimes. Yes. A little sprinkle here or there. Not a bad idea. May the blessing of Almighty God come down upon all those listening, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks. And everyone say a prayer for Father Simonetti, too. I'm grateful for his time. Kel Clark's coming right up. Stay tuned.